0: that have helped to shape our faith movement. So if you're old enough to remember sitting under the ministry of Brother Roy Cheville, who served as the presiding patriarch, known today as presiding evangelist, for the RLDS Church from 1958 to 1974, if you remember him at all, you know he was passionate about the role of hymns especially original hymnody in Community of Christ. He contributed to over 55 hymns, including writing our, the uh, Graceland University alma mater. Brother Shevelle used to say that he could tell the spiritual vitality of a congregation by the way they sang. He said... Good congregational singing does not mean singing with professional, trained voices, but it does mean everyone singing with enthusiasm. When one sings, he said, with true conviction and as an understanding of what is being sung, in other words, paying attention to the lyrics more satisfying singing and even better music naturally happens. So for even even for those of uh, you who singing is not your thing, in a spiritual spiritually vital congregation, everyone joins in that singing and making a joyful noise. So to start with this morning, we will join together in singing two well-known and well-loved heritage hymns. Please turn, if you would, to Hymn 390. So I chose this song, and wouldn't you know it, Ann's not even here today. I chose this song because Franklin Weddell composed the music and Brother R- Weddell is the grandfather of Ann Wallace, who is one of the members of our congregation. How special is that? So we're going to sing a song that her grandfather actually wrote the music for. It would be difficult to find a person who has had more influence on the worship of the church and on its music than Brother Franklin. He was the director of the church's first music department. He led the compilation process for the children's and the youth's hymn, hymnal and he chaired the committee that produced the 1956 hymnal, which is, as we know, the great hymnal. His hymns are a treasured part of his legacy, so may we joyfully sing together Onward to Zion. the creation of our next hymn, The Spirit of God Like a Fire is Burning, is a well-known and well-loved part of our church's oral history. There remains to this day no other hymn that is sung by Latter-day Saints with more enthusiasm and more excitement. It has become our denomination's heart song. W. W. Phelps, who is the author the author of the text, was with Joseph Smith, Jr. and other church leaders in important business meetings that took place during the week leading up to the dedication of the Kirtland Temple. The Holy Spirit was present in these meetings, and in the closing Sunday morning worship service, before the end of the service, Brother Phelps had scribbled on the back of an envelope the words of this hymn, which caught up that Pentecostal experience. It was then taught to the choir and was used as an anthem in the ensuing temple dedication service. Joseph Smith, Jr. prayed at the dedication ending. He prayed, Help us by the power of thy spirit, that we may mingle our voices with those bright seraphs around thy throne with acclamation of praise, singing Hosanna to God, And to the Lamb, and let thy saints shout aloud for joy. Amen and amen. This morning we will sing the four verses consecutively, and then we will sing the refrain one time at the very end. So all four verses, and then the refrain at the end. would like to stand, please feel free to stand so you can breathe a little bit better and sing. Thank
1: you. Oh, Lord.
2: think he's
0: saying amen and amen.
2: amen oh my goodness we can just go home now okay oh I guess I'm not I gotta stay I'm the one in charge oh my goodness I'm just got goosebumps I thought Barney back there was gonna be off the floor he was really into his singing <laughs> well let's get to the theme for today seek the lost I don't know if you saw this little lamb, and the lamb was mentioned in the song. This little lamb has been in my yard for 29 years, outside right my front door with the lion. Now, can some of you see from different aspects about my little lamb? This side sees his ear this side his ear is missing and when I thought about the theme I thought you know what this little lamb's coming inside and coming to church today because he says it all he was lost in the wilderness who knows where and you know that he wasn't whole when he was found He had marks on him. He probably was dirty. His, you know, his little fur or whatever you call it was fleece was mangled and stuck together. Well, this little guy has some dark spots. The elements of life reached this little lamb too. But when I found him this week out there, I can't tell you, I almost carried him in with tears in my eyes because I thought, oh, you precious little thing. You have been out there for 29 years. Maybe you just wanted to come in. And that's what the lost are like. And you know, God did not say, seek the found. He said, seek the lost. Seek those who are hurt. And aren't whole, and are hurting in some way, are flawed in some way, and when they are found by God and by Jesus, what a welcoming that is! Those of us that were here last week, I kept thinking of that service all week. We had um, Zach had us fill out little white pieces of paper. About concerns or worries that we had. Actually, and I kept thinking, it's showing how we're lost. We had to put on that paper things that we wanted to make right with God and Jesus. And then we came up and put them in a big bowl of water. And I don't know if some of you came up afterward, the service, and all those papers had no writing on them. They were blank, like they'd been washed away and taken over by God and Jesus. And then they asked us to pick from three tables of pictures, a picture that made, um, just grabbed our attention or made sense to us. We had some relationship about, uh, an experience, And, you know, like she said, some picked a picture just because they picked it. And maybe later, it made more meaning. Like Mary shared in the prayer service this morning, how her picture, as she thought about it all week, it just became alive. They put all of their concerns on the cross. And that's what the lost. We need to seek the lost and let them know that there is someone who will take over all of those cares and concerns for us? I asked one of Stephanie's teacher friends to um, tell me about um, her experience with her kids. She, she and Stephanie teach fourth grade. They've taught together for 17, almost 14 years, I guess. And they they're in a district where I don't think there's probably many parents that. Are married, raising their kids. Some of them live with grandparents. Uh, Some live with, uh, you know, an aunt and uncle. And they come to those teachers every day. We don't always have the opportunity to have a lost group come to us like they do. Sharon, Tiffany shared experience too. Those kiddos are carrying burdens that no child should ever carry. And thank goodness there was a guy in the um, Davenport, Iowa area that put together an organization called Quest for Christ in the elementary schools. Stephanie and Jeanette have been in that program ever since it started about three years ago. Um, Jeanette says, I'm the lead teacher with lots of other wonderful volunteers for our breakout sessions and these are kids that volunteer to come to this group After our songs, we move on to a main Bible lesson She introduces the lesson They watch a brief video to support the message and then they briefly discuss it and move on to small groups where they uh, discuss it, do games, arts, and crafts And then they come together at the end in a circle prayer. And she said, that's my favorite. Because then we feel so close and understanding of why we are there and why we shine through to them. She said, one particular student, a little boy, comes from a home quite unstable. Do you have that? He's ahead of me. The one in the white shirt. He was bounced from house to house, never feeling settled. He was always very distracted and had a difficult time with his classwork. And after several weeks of quest, I began to notice that his classwork was improving and he seemed to be more focused. So I watched this continue for about a week or two, and then one day, I asked him about his home life. That all seemed to be the same, unstable. I said, well, why do you think you're more able to get your work done and focus? And he said, because I learned about Jesus Christ, and now he's in my heart. I cried, and we rejoiced. Amen, she said. And another wonderful thing that she loves is that she can tell her students who are in Quest— During the school day, if they're having something bad happen to them, she goes over and said, search your heart, search your heart. And she says, I can do that. And they know that means look to Jesus, look to Jesus. That's so exciting, she says to me, because I can help bring Jesus to the public school classroom and not get into trouble. She says, I've taught children religion my whole life at my church. And working with Quest for Christ has given me a love for Jesus and evangelizing I have never known. I feel truly blessed to bring his word to the hungry, sweet ears, and hearts at my soul or at my school. So today, as you think about seeking the lost in your life, remember that they're not always outside those walls. Sometimes the lost are right here in this congregation, and we know that because of what we did last week. So I would encourage you anytime, and I mean any time during the service, that someone comes to your mind that's lost, you come up and put their name in the prayer book. I still remember somebody did this years ago when my Stephanie was little, told them to come up anytime they wanted and here she came up marching down the front aisle barefoot and put her name in that prayer book. Did not detract from what was going on. In fact, it kind of brought everybody together because they knew God was watching when she put that name in the prayer book.
3: Creator God, we pause this morning as we have gathered in this sacred space. We deliberately choose to be still at this time, to sit in the stillness, to breathe deeply into this moment, to participate in this faith community through our word, through our song, through our presence. We are a vibrant collection of unique ideas, beliefs, and spiritual gifts. We are the many images that adorn our cross. We are both empty and full, weary and awake, lost and found. In the complexity of our lives, we slow down and open our hearts to the Holy Spirit that flows among us, between us, and through us. Today, may we feel your unconditional love and grace as we discover, understand, and embrace that we are each lost and able to seek the lost. We are the light streaming from the lighthouse and the sailor seeking the shore in the darkness. We are both the lost sheep and the one who chooses to risk it all for the love of just one. In this duality, we meet our precious humanity. May we greet it with compassion and acceptance to be better vessels of your love, God. Healing, rescuing, infinite parent, our hearts hunger for you in this hour. Amen. Amen.
4: As some of you may know, we have a line item in our budget labeled Care Fund. (laughs) I think the amount in that uh, line item is probably around $2,000. And we use this Care Fund to help those who contact us. some are in need of a place to stay for a night or two or three until they can make other arrangements. Some are in need of help with a utility bill for cooling in the summer or for heating in the winter. Some are in need of food for their families. But We get calls several times a year from those who are less fortunate than we are, those who have struggled sometimes for many years, or those who maybe have just hit a rough spot in the road and need some help just temporarily. We're not able to help everyone that calls, but, we try our best to help those that we can. And even when we're not able to help, I remember going to breakfast one time with a, with a lady and Steve Wall. We weren't able to help this lady financially, but the loving ministry that was given to her by Steve was amazing. This lady was working at a motel cleaning rooms, and the pay that she got for cleaning the rooms paid for her to stay at the motel. He asked her how much her paycheck was each week, and she didn't know. She said, he just comes to me with the check upside down and asks me to sign it. Steve let her know that she had a right to see that check before she signed it. And that she had some some rights, even though she was working at the hotel to pay for her stay there, she still had a right to see how much that check was. And I think she left that breakfast with a little bit more self-esteem than what she had had coming in. Even though we couldn't give her what she was asking, I think we gave her a ministry that she was needing. Another lady called several years ago. She had had a severe illness and was no longer able to work at her job. She had decided when she recovered to start a dog-walking business. But because her business was just getting started, she was having a hard time paying her rent. She called before she was evicted. She called before the, the rent was actually late. And we were able to help her to supplement what she had to be able to pay her rent so that she didn't incur late fees. This lady was the only lady that has sent a thank you note. A week or so after we helped her, we got a lovely thank you note in the mail. A couple of years later, she had another problem and was again, needing help with, I think, utilities this time, and we were able to help her again. And again, we got a thank you note. This past August, just the beginning of August, I got a call from her, and she said that she had been walking her dogs. She was Her business was going well, but she had been walking her dogs, and one of the large dogs took out after a rabbit a squirrel or whatever, pulled her along the curb, and she fell and had to have surgery, and so could not walk her dogs for a while, and again was needing help with rent. So we once again, we were able to help. Just this week, I got in the mail a thank you note. She wrote, a gift is as as a precious stone in the eyes of him that has it proverbs 17 8 community of christ i wanted to thank you again for your generous gift toward my rent after the hospital stay and surgery it was so very kind of you and will not be forgotten you have made the body of christ feel like family to me i so appreciate your help and your willingness to help so quickly. Bless you. This lady isn't a part of our congregation, but she has recognized family in the body of Christ. She has been a recipient three times over the past five or six years and has been very thankful for the help that we've been able to give her. I wanna thank all of you for being so willing and generous with your donations, with your contributions, and your willingness to help those who are less fortunate. Will the ushers please come forth? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that we have been given. And we thank you, Lord, for the willingness that we have to share those blessings with those that are less fortunate than we are. We pray, Lord, that we might see these people as a part of our family also. Sometimes we don't necessarily know who is being helped or what help is being given. We ask, Lord, that we might always use these funds wisely and that we might offer help to those in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
5: My past won't start haunting me. In this prison, there's a fight between who I am and who I used to be. This thorn in my side is a grace. For because of it, the flesh and blood of God was offered in my place, my place you fought the fight in me. You chased me down and finished the race. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus, you kept the faith in me. you can. Yeah. you kept the faith in me. You fought the fight in me. You chased me down and finished the race. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus, you kept the faith in me. Jesus, you kept the faith in me. Savior, you kept the faith in me.
6: Good morning. So Mickey told me I had 25 minutes, but I also know Mickey. And so I didn't prepare 25 minutes. I prepared 30. No, I'm just kidding. So the opening lyric of the song that Shelley just sang is, My past won't stop haunting me. In this prison, there's a fight between who I am and who I used to be. How many of you have ever felt like this? Right? Like there's this battle between you and the potential you. Or between the you you are now and the idealized you from your youth or from earlier in your life. Like somehow the person that you were would look at the person that you are now and they wouldn't recognize them. I am here to tell you that it is 100% 100% normal to feel that way. It is perfectly normal. It's normal for you to be at odds with versions of yourself. In the 51st Psalm, David shares his own feelings of inadequacy. That similar sense of longing for a person that he once was or that he could be, just not the person he is right now. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Now, we all know that David was no saint. Anybody know the story of David? There's a lot of things that we read about David's life that don't exactly put him up onto a pedestal, and yet he's celebrated as one of the greatest kings of all of Israel. But this particular psalm was actually written after one of David's more significant transgressions. Now, I know you're all thinking, what was it? Well, in the 11th chapter of 2 Samuel, we get the story of David, a soldier named Uriah the Hittite, and his wife, Bathsheba. And I'm sure that many of you know this story, but here's a quick summary for those of you who don't. David's army is laying siege to the areas around Jerusalem, and, he's, and they are under the command of a guy named Joab. I think I sp- said that right. And while these armies are attacking, David is back in Jerusalem, chilling, right? He's just hanging back. And uh, back in Jerusalem, he like, steps out onto his roof you know, to take a stroll, and he's like, Whoa. There's a naked lady over there, and I want to be with her. And he asks his messenger to go and find out who the lady who was bathing on the top of the roof, that he could see who she was. And they come back, and they say, well, that's Bathsheba. And she's married to this guy named Uriah. And so David, because he's the king summons her to the palace, and he impregnates her. Now, what is left out of the story is whether she was willing, and to be honest, I'm not positive that she was. David finds out that she's pregnant, and he befriends Uriah. He calls him back from the battle, and he gets him drunk, And then, in a just chef's kiss amazingly evil thing, he sends Uriah to the front lines and tells Joab, pull back from Uriah. And he's killed. Now, 2 Samuel tells this story, and it's pretty specific about what David does here. He does this on purpose. And this is the part where you all kind of just go. Right? Now David does marry Bathsheba after Uriah's death. But their first child dies. And in Samuel, in 2 Samuel, it kind of indicates that it was more than likely cuz God was pretty mad. At David, for what he had done. Now, if I had to guess, this right here, that kind of inflection point, is probably where David writes this psalm. Now, we know that this is after he has gone to see Bathsheba. It tells us that in the scriptures. God, in all of his grace, still blesses David. And Bathsheba gives birth to Solomon, who was the wise. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now see, the Bible is littered with stories like this. So many people like David. So many of these people are utterly flawed. And it can be difficult to realize, and I think this is what I'm starting to realize as I get older, maybe that's the point I think I've started to come to the realization that the Bible is full of flawed people because that is what we are. But that doesn't stop even those in the Gospels from questioning that approach. In our focus scripture from Luke 15, Jesus shares a couple of stories that drive this point home. And I'm going to put it up here, and you can maybe read it, but maybe you don't. It's not that big of a deal. I'm going to summarize it. Jesus is preaching to this crowd of people who've gathered to listen, including tax collectors and sinners. Hold my pearls. And the haters are out in force. The Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling in the Scriptures. They're grumbling, and I'm guessing probably not too quietly, and they say, oh, this guy with the sinners and the tax collectors, and he eats with them. And Jesus turns to the crowd and he says, Which of you, having 100 sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the other 99 in the wilderness to seek out the one who is lost until you find it? When I was young, uh, I went to an air show with the Traxel family. and I was maybe eight. I don't know. I probably was younger. It could have been younger. And I got lost. You're and old it, to know yeah, I might have been old enough to know better. It's true. But I got lost. I got lost. The kind of lost. It's not the kind of lost when you're like oh, Jane, and then you see him like two seconds later. It was the kind of lost where like the cops are called. I think. I may be misremembering this. Yeah. <clears throat> I was lost, lost. Now, what I do remember about being lost, I don't remember being scared. I don't remember um, I don't remember actually being lost at all, but what I do remember what I do remember, is I remember Pat, when I got found. I remember how, like overjoyed and relieved. Probably, Um, she was. (laughs) Now it might have been. I might have been gone for two minutes. I probably think it was wrong longer than that. But there was rejoicing when I was found. Pat did what Jesus does in that story. What he says that the shepherd does for the lamb. There's rejoicing when the lost are found. And uh, Jesus goes on in the story of the lost, after the story of the lost sheep, and he says, well, what about the person uh, who has 10 pieces of silver and they lose one? I mean, I can't, 10% of your income, that's a lot of money to lose 10%. Do they not light a lamp and search and sweep the house until they find it? Just so I tell you, there's joy in the presence of angels when one sinner repents. I take a lot of comfort in this, knowing that that God and the angels will rejoice when the sinner repents. When someone finds themselves worthy of the love of God. Now, today's Heritage Day, and I'm not going to talk about what happened in the past, although it's important. What I want to talk about briefly is one section of this book right here. And everybody in your pews, there is a copy of this book. It's called Sharing in Community of Christ, and it shares with us our enduring principles, our basic beliefs, and today, I want to talk about two of our enduring principles. Grace and generosity and the worth of all persons. Because I think those two might be two of the most important things when we think about seeking the lost. <clears throat> so I want you to, if you if you want to, like, look at them or whatever, can, well, I'm going to come back to them here in a second. So when I went to work at Graceland... Um, I got to tell you, spending time on campus has really made me think about the kind of person I was when I was there. Uh, I wasn't always a good person. I wasn't. I know that's hard to believe. Don't laugh, guys. <clears throat> I mentioned that because I had this interaction that I wanted to share with you about this guy in my hall named Jerry. Um, when we arrived on campus in the fall of 1995, uh, we had the benefit of already having friends on Orion. Ooh, Orion! Yeah. Um, uh, my roommate was Mike Stoll, and Mike was a a sophomore when when we started, and so we had friends built in when we walked onto the hall, and they helped us learn the ropes and introduce us to everybody, and I I, I had so much fun. when I was at Graceland, especially when we were in the dorms. And, uh, but I will say, I was very rowdy, more than likely disruptive uh, in more than one way, and uh, I would say utterly ridiculous in all of the things that I probably did. I imagined for upperclassmen who lived on the hall, I was um, a lot. Jerry was an upperclassman. Jerry also happened to be gay. And I'm 100% certain that when I was a freshman at Graceland that I teased him. I can't imagine Looking back, how difficult that must have been for him. Being gay 24 years ago was a lot different. People were a lot less accepting. And they were mean at times, and they still are today. I've been thinking about that interaction a lot these past several months because after 20 years, I saw Jerry at World Conference. See, Jerry is the president of Harmony, which is a church organization that advocates on behalf of the LGBTQ community to congregations and to church leadership. It used to be called GALA. Um, but uh, there was another organization as well that was really responsible for advocating directly to the church leadership. And once the church made the decision to accept all uh, sexual orientations into uh, priesthood and membership, um, they kind of said, okay, this part is kind of, we need to continue to advocate, but let's do it together now. So I was there representing Graceland, and Jerry was there representing Harmony, and we spent like 20 minutes uh, catching up in the exhibition hall in the basement of the auditorium. And Jerry told me all about the work of Harmony, and we talked about the possibility of connecting Graceland's sage group to the Harmony team. And I'll tell you one thing, Jerry never treated me the way that I treated him. He could have ignored me or pretended he didn't know me. He could have just brushed me off. But he embraced me like the brothers in Christ that we are. And since then, I will say, I have gone back to Jerry multiple times. He is an amazing, amazing resource. And if you all want to learn more about Harmony's work, go to uh, harmony.lgpt. Harmony.LGBT, I believe, is their URL, and I can send that out to you guys another time, but but please check it out, because it's really amazing. I've messaged him with questions uh, about how to be more aware of LGBTQ issues, uh, and he's uh, asked me to help connect him with people on the Graceland campus to help our communities connect more deeply. And it's been such an amazing blessing to reconnect with Jerry, I watched him in his Element at Spectacular sharing with youth who are either trying to make sense of their place in the church as LGBT uh, youth or as allies uh, for their friends or family members. The work that they're doing is inspiring, and, and I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of a church that embraces that in such a, a, a big way. But in that, I have to acknowledge my own iniquities. right? I have to acknowledge my own transgressions. And be aware of them, because that's the only way that we grow. Last week, Zach Harmon McLaughlin shared something in his challenge to us that I want to remind us all of again. And I'm going to promise you I will probably remind you of it again if I'm ever... Uh, given the opportunity to preach again, which I think I probably will. Um, Everyone is equal in the eyes of the cross. Now see, you may look at today's scripture lesson from Luke and think that may go in the face of that that by seeking the lost we're somehow elevating them over those who are righteous, but that's actually not it at all. The story about the lost sheep is that everyone is equal in the eyes of the cross. No matter what you've done, or what country you're from, or what color your skin is, where you've been, who you love, if you have stars on you or dots, or if you were a rowdy and rude college person. God says, you belong to me. You are mine. What an incredible feeling it is to hear that, even when you don't really know it. God's grace revealed in Jesus is generous and unconditional. And as a faith tradition, we seek to uphold and restore the worth of all people, individually and in community, challenging unjust systems that diminish human worth. That's directly from our enduring principles. The first bullet in grace and generosity and the where is it third bullet in worth of all persons direct quote we are all going to have times in our lives where we are at odds with who we are now who we were And who we could be. I fight that fight at least once a week. But I'm beginning to realize, and what I want all of you to know is that whoever you are on that entire spectrum from who you were to who you could be, the person that you are right this second, in this moment, And on this day, God says, You are enough. You may be lost or you may be righteous. It does not matter to God. Everyone is equal in the eyes of the cross. you are, that is enough.
7: Shall you pray with me? God of the lost, God of the found, teach us to know you in our daily lives, to see you in the small wonders of your creation, to hear you in the music of encounter and exchange, and to recognize you in the faces of our brothers and sisters, neighbors and strangers alike, so your peace might be the very fabric of our lives. Teach us to seek you, and loving encounters and opportunities for service and dreams for a future of community and respectful coexistence. So your peace might be a blessing in our lives of each life we touch. Teach us to follow you into the world, to seek the lost, bind the wounded, and free those who need to be, excuse me, and free those who need to find you to experience the freedom and peace you so freely offer. Amen.
8: Zig Ziegler was a motivational speaker and an outspoken Christian, and he had a quote that I saw many years ago, and this is one of the pictures from last week, and it reminded me of his quote that we must reach down and pull up those in need and if we don't those in need will reach up and pull us down and I thought that was significant I know that his motivation was not to avoid being pulled down but indeed to pull up a quote from Jesse Jackson never look down on anybody unless you are helping them up And a prayer from the actor, Mr. T. I get up every morning and say, Father, give me the strength today. Not strength so I can lift 500 pounds, but give me strength, Lord, so when I speak, my words might motivate, might inspire somebody. Lord, when they see me, let them see you. When they hear me, Lord, let them hear you. In your holy name, I pray. And the little quote that I think is fun and maybe a part of ascending forth is from Robert Brault. And he said, Today i bent meant the truth to be kind, and I have no regret, for I am far surer of what is kind than I am of what is truth.